So now we move on to the hurling show, which is very much a generic show, as we're saying. It's also in association with DB Recovery. And again, their new sports recovery center located in Barra Valley Retail Park beside Duns and the gym in Great Cullen. They provide elite sports recovery services using all the market-leading equipment at affordable prices. As well as the equipment, the staff are all trained to be able to give you the best advice relating to your recovery. DB Recovery caters to everybody from individuals to teams, from your social exerciser to elite athletes. And you can follow them on Instagram at dbrecoveryrp for more info. Or you can email them dbrecoveryltd at gmail.com. So delighted to bring in uh, the uh, co-chair of uh, the NEC with the GPA. I think I'm getting that right. Ray Kinsler, how are you? Hey, Kevin, how are you? Have I given you a proper title there? Yeah, indeed, co-chair of the, the National Executive Committee. Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, yeah, I think groundbreaking news over the weekend with the, the motion that was passed. Uh, so we've got integration now. Uh, the LGFA, Camogie and the GA will uh, come together under uh, one umbrella. But I suppose this is just the start of the work, I guess. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's not even a signed sealed deal yet. Um, there's a motion coming up at LGFA Congress next week, and I am a little bit worried will it pass or not. Um, and that's for a few different reasons. One is the motion is being proposed by Galway LGFA, and it's it's being put in as a change to the aims of the association. Um, potentially could be a stumbling block. It could be better as going as a policy change instead of a, ch- trying to change an aim of the association. Secondly, the, the wording of the motion itself is actually just to unite with the GEA and there's no reference to the Camogie Association. And, and thirdly, um, the motion talks about an equal partnership and not one association. So there is a few stumbling blocks to, to get over before you know we're all on our merry way towards one association. Okay, all right, and uh, yeah, so not me, not really as, as straightforward as uh, as we thought. We knew it wouldn't be straightforward, of course, anyway. But there is um, complications. It it seems so. Um, I do know in previous times uh, this initial motion we're talking about from Saturday was mm-hmm. on the table and it hadn't passed or whatever. Okay, so the progress has been made in in that light. Uh, and what what has led to that? Do you think why why the change in the last couple of years? Yeah, so the motion on Saturday was for the GA to prioritise integration. Um, and it came back at 90% uh, approval, which was great to see. And it, it gives the GA a very clear mandate um, of, of where they're heading and what they want to achieve. And even the new five-year strategic plan coming out by the GA in the coming weeks is called uh, Towards One GA for All. So I think it, it's very clear from the GA point of view where they want to head. Um, but... This debate has been started about 20 years ago under Sean McCabe's presidency and, you know, it was passed on to Sean Kelly and then Liam O'Neill is probably the presidency that really took it on in 2013. Um, A little bit of progress was made, but the LGFA actually opted not to explore uh, integration with him. Um, I'm I'm not privy to the reasons why and it's never become public knowledge, but um, Liam O'Neill did speak on the motion on Saturday and spoke very passionately about it. And, and even said that his biggest regret as his term as presidency was not making it happen, but said that, you know, a line has to be drawn or what happened nine, ten years ago and everyone needs to come back to the, the table with open minds and a, a fresh perspective on things. And I suppose in the meantime, we have got, you know, a one club model in operation that came in under Christy Cooney's presidency. And um, there's about one third of GA clubs uh, across the country operation on that. Um, 
I would see that as a next logical step, you know, get 100% of all clubs doing it, doing an evaluation, learn the lessons from it, uh, and then progress that to county board and your, your you know, your province's councils as well. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask why, and this is just your opinion I'm looking for, why would the LGFA potentially not look to go and include all the codes? Is there any reason that you could think of maybe from your own point of view? Yeah, like I, I can only kind of, I suppose, speak from my perspective and I'm merging the WGPA and the GPA two years ago. And mm. one of the... Well, can I just go across you to point, point that out? So I think it was three years ago you were chairperson of the WGPA and then there was an amalgamation subsequently, yeah? Yeah, so I was elected chairperson of the women's GPA in, in January 2019 and then we merged. Uh, we took a vote in December 2020. But in those two years, there was a an extensive amount of work behind the scenes, figuring out structures, governance structures, funding policies, uh, how how we would actually, I suppose, not be consumed by the GPA uh, mm-hmm. and retain our own voice. And that was one of the things that was our biggest fear at the time and, and entering into those discussions with the, the GPA is how do we retain our, our voice and not lose identity and not be consumed? You know, they had two and a half thousand members. We only had 1,500 they're turning over a balance sheet of about six, seven million. We're, you know, probably have about 200K of a funding policy for the year. So there's probably a lot of similarities between our merger, but mm-hmm. on a far less complex scale and, and what's trying to be achieved at a national level now. Mm-hmm. But that that's probably an advantage that that experience and expertise is there. And the support stream, I would guess, is there if it's needed to be called upon. Yeah, like, look, the, the, one of the greatest things about the GA is actually when they put their head down to it, they're, they're the master of, like, subcommittees and task force for turning things around and making changes. Like, look at the football structures and how quickly they turned that around from the last Congress. Like, I think if they, they put their minds to this and bring all the correct parties and show a bit of leadership here and try to maybe perhaps alleviate some of those fears that female associations may have about losing their identity or their voice or their heritage and their tradition and their culture and put a, you know, protection mechanisms like we did um, in the new association, it could be, you know, it could move things on swiftly. So like the GPA now has a 50-50 gender um, on the board of it. Um, The funding policy is 50% males, 50% women. It doesn't matter what game turns over the most revenue, where the revenue comes from. That's a funding policy the GPA made. And, you know, on Friday, we have 800 scholarships going to third level students, 400 male, 400 female. So I think there's a lot of protection mechanisms you can build into the governance side to protect your your independent voice. Hmm. So that's the fear you think that they may have at the moment. Yeah, um, I'd love for them to, to come out and, you know, say what was on the table 10 years ago from the GA and why they didn't opt for it now and, you know, just draw a line underneath it and, and maybe then we can learn from it and see what needs to be addressed to make this uh, appetising from their side. To kind of look at it from their point of view then, so would there be a feeling or a sense that maybe they're looking at the last couple of years and the growth in attendance figures and all these things, and the promotion of it has been very good. Are they thinking to themselves, we've done a pretty good job here, do we need this? Which might sound a little bit naive, but is that a possible thought process as well? Yeah, like, yeah, in, in one sense, you really do have to take your hat off to the LGFA and what they've done to grow in the, the female game over the last five or ten years. It's, you know, the exponential growth, and it has been, has a massive 
Um, but for me, you need to look at this at a bigger picture. Do you want every girl and boy going into a GA club and have equal investment recognition and opportunities uh, throughout their playing career and also as an administrator or a volunteer and whatever role they take? Because I don't think that can be achieved with three separate governing bodies. And that's because of the differences in the resources, the financial clout that the three associations offer. Like there's going to be another 30, 40, 50 years of female inequality, female players experiencing a huge level of inequality simply because they have a separate governing body. Like the three, the two female associations at the moment own three grounds on their own. Like we're, we're at the mercy of the GA to even play our games and to let us in and, and have access to uh, pitches and resources. Um, you hear stories of Tyrone women having to pay, you know, 20 grand to access the Tyrone Centre of Excellence. And that's not uncommon. Uh, that's that's a very common um, occurrence. And what probably annoys me is how informal that is across from county to county. It very much depends on how healthy the relationships are between the, the female county board and the men's county board and the personnel at that given time. Hmm. Can I just ask then as well, and look, it is purely a, a speculative kind of thing to put out there, but if it's a case, and we're not for one second insisting that there is going to be definite resistance from the LGFA, and it's not an agenda against the LGFA, but if it was to be a case where they did have some resistance, is there a big frustration then from females that the resistance is coming from a female organisation where, you know, if this was coming from the actual GA? you will probably have more grounds for frustration. But there's an element of thinking, maybe if that's the case, you're shooting yourself in the foot slightly. Yeah, I think that comes down to the LGFA not really communicating why they're, they've been resistant to this in the past. That's where the frustration has grown. Like all I know from our side, all 57 female inter-county squads send a letter to the Camogie Association and the LGFA supporting our motion at GA Congress last weekend and also supporting the views of integration. Um, I think the view of, of the, at the grassroots level in both female associations is that they want integration. They see and experiences the issues that, you know, of not getting pitches, of not having, you know, resources, of fundraising. Like, it all comes back to one family and one household um, mm -hmm. regardless. But yet, even take registration fees. The female registration fees are way higher than the, the, the lads at a, a local club level. Um, so you actually have to pay more to play the game. Is that right? You know, I just think um, there are so many things that could be achieved. And look, there's a win here for the GA also. Like, I walked into Congress the other day and I was struck by how few women there were there. Um, like it was amazing, like it was just incredible to see. And I don't think that's reflective of the grassroots level. And you now have Sports Ireland issuing a mandate that the Central Council has to have 40% women by the end of 2023 or they're going to get um, restrictions on their core funding from the government. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the financial accounts were presented there on Saturday, 48 million in government funding the GA have received over 2020 and 2021 during COVID. Staggering, fairness, like, and and Joe, uh, you know, just on, even from your own, you you've mentioned one family, and and you're coming from the same household, and, and Joe had kind of mentioned it earlier, so I let him bring it in here, just in terms of of Austin, your dad, like, and then the involvement with with Fenna, and oh, yeah. James so heavily involved, 
and yeah. yet like it's not even under the one umbrella even though it's you know the same game you know yeah well it's what well, yeah it's just I, I i mentioned to kevin i'm sure he's where obviously you know um and i say no you but he might know your dad and uh just how i served involved. a few times in Conley's harder we'll give <laughs> you're <laughs> trying to get advice. a deal off you know though i'd say um, <laughs> I, i'm probably in getting stuff for fenny you'll probably find him probably in getting yeah. stuff for the club like uh no i was just i was just remarking to kevin i know we're kind of gotten away from it but the background of um leadership and and working the ga isn't uh you're you are following in in great family footsteps there in terms of uh, all your family are so steeped in it and uh, in terms of leadership and, and vision. And I think it's brilliant. Um, I think I, I, I just, when you remarked on a couple of little things there, the struck home from um, me, I'm, I'm currently, you know, my, my kids have two girls and one is uh, under six and the other is under 12. And, you know, and you are, you're seeing what, what's the future for them. And I suppose, you know, it's more, it's, it's more in my, mindset now thinking of them going forward i know i mean i was involved and i am involved with balankillen and i was involved with fena and i had maybe a different perspective back then you, you know not, not in any bad way but you're kind of a different mindset but when you have daughters of your own and you're seeing the association for who it caters for and the people who are involved in our clubs it makes absolutely no sense that there is separation i mean you mentioned the one club element thing there. I mean, I've seen, again, I suppose in more recent times in Ballinkillen, and I know what's going on in Fen. I know you know, and I know the people who are involved there and, and how I suppose the one club model works and the benefits of it. And, you know, it just makes complete sense that we're, we're in it and in the one umbrella. I even see, and, and again, it's, it's the simple things that people that you see on the ground in terms of even like you said, there, the, the infrastructures, like the training, you know, I mean, we see it, Again, in Ballinkillen, the use of the pitch, you know, when, you know, it's, it's, it's camogie and, uh, and, you know, that they're getting, making sure that, they're, that their times are prioritised as well. And I think when, when we've integrated more together, you know, things work seamlessly and, and it's brilliant. And, and there's, you know, the, the benefits just outweigh, and even at, like we said, at a club level, never mind nationally, to be together. It just makes, it makes so much sense. And you'd hate to see you'd hate to see stumbling blocks put in, I won't say put in the way, but you'd, you'd just love to see it going forward. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's, I think it's amazing. I, and I think, um, I know the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, like the work that they're doing is just unbelievable. I know you see it, Maria, down, you know, I might take it again from a very small, small, small point of view, but down in Fenna, in terms of the work and the numbers that they're building down there, the organization itself it has to be you know i don't know in terms of growth in the last number of years but it has to be the association with the biggest growth i'd say in ireland in terms of numbers like in terms of where it's came from if you go back 10 or 12 years so you know again from my point of view it's just an absolute no-brainer um i think logistically financially you know recognition of of of, of all parties who were involved in our sports and in, in in be it you know camogie or or whatever you want to call it, or football, or ladies football, whatever. But to have everyone on the on the one level playing pitch, excuse the pun, um, it has to be a no-brainer. You know what I mean? And, and fair play to you for for being so heavily involved in it. It's uh, you were. I know I said it before, and I put it on Twitter. Where it's it's great to see that a person, a Carlo person, and a person you know who I, that we're so heavily involved in the change, and a person from our own county is so heavily involved in change and, and bringing that forward. And, and I know. And said, I know your club is very proud of you, and I know we all are in Carlo for for the work you're doing. It's it's brilliant, you know. Definitely. 
You must be beaming yourself. <laughs> um, beaming, yeah, but I suppose I'm always frustrated by the, the pace of change within the GA. <laughs> um, yeah. There's so many levels of that you have to go through to actually have an impact. But look, I, I come back to, to Fena and home and I, I look at the one club model now and look at what an experience that is for young girls starting off at under yeah. sixes and eights. Like I went into Newtown School, you have Murray's Brick, you're handed a football that's your PE class. And it's from there then that my first experience of GA was actually through the men's club, the Fennel GFC with under 12s and under 14s. I then segued across the Ballinkill and Newtown Ladies Club to play under 14, 16 and minor. And then I came across the same fortunes to play senior football. So I actually had three clubs, um, which is just mad. And you think of how difficult it is to retain, like retain teenage girls in sport at the moment one and two are dropping out between the ages of 12 and 14 yeah. and then you put in three barriers of having three different clubs in you know training in different pitches and it makes it 10 times harder so um I, i'm so happy to now see fana in a one club model and you know it, it's seamless every girl has the same opportunity as their brothers playing they train in the same pitches, they have the same opportunities, the same people around the clubhouse looking after them. And I just think that is just going to open up um, endless opportunities for them. And I think I think you mentioned one thing there as well. And uh, I see it maybe now, maybe I, I obviously see it from a coaching point of view as well. You know, um, you, you know, I see again, we mentioned Fenne again, you know, you have Mary Brooks and you have Glory Slevin and people like this who are involved and but also I see it now in, in the club as well and in, in, in from maybe from more from Ballinkillen point of view because they'll be more closely involved at the adult level there. Uh, but the amount of uh, ladies who are now involved, uh, you know, it, it, that there always would have been uh, some, but now there's more and because there's that connection and that what, we're in it together, you're not just a small part of, you know, of, you're not just Ballinkillen Camogie Club, you know, that kind of comes under the umbrella of, Ballinkill and Hurland Club sort of thing, you are, we're all in the one club together. And from an administration point of view and roles in the GA, I think it's, it, I think it's been a, a, an incredible uh, positive move in terms of keeping, and especially as well in, in, in uh, both our clubs and Kevin's as well, I suppose, in smaller rural clubs where, where apart from playing numbers, we're on about people to take on roles and very important roles in the clubs, who, you know, who keep, in turn, keep the playing members involved and do mm. all the other things. We need everyone involved and we and we can't have our clubs and our associations kind of like what you said even going to congress there where it's predominant you know a predominantly male sort of thing we, we can't we can't have that model going forward it, you know it's not it's it's not kind of healthy and it's, it's not sustainable and it, it's not it's not where we want to be in society so i definitely mm -hmm. see it like i said it, it, it makes perfect sense even in our small level what we're seeing you know very closely here and so it has to make sense going forward i think nationally it has to yeah Mm -hmm. And just on a slight tangent, and sorry to cut across, Maria. I know you're gonna you're gonna come in on something there, but even I suppose to add to this from both both codes' point of view, um, the actual age of what minor is to have that consistent across both genders as well, because you know, Joe, you said this previously, and I think Peter Canavan said said it recently with the with the motion of going seventeens back to eighteens and stuff the other day. Mm -hmm. That not only do you do you lose a player. You lose possibly a very good administrator. It's not just on the field you lose these people. You lose them in the yeah. club. And all these things are so important within clubs to keep them 
on the ground. It's not just what's happening out in the field. What goes on off the field is every bit as important because without that, there is no club. So, you know, we have to be mindful of all that as well, I think, and it's worth putting it out there. But, Maria, go ahead. I know you were going to jump in. Yeah, um, just firstly on Joe's point about, you know, seeing more female in administration roles, I was very fortunate. I I had female coaches all the way up. You know, I had Neve Dobbs, I had the yeah. late Jenny Kelly from under 14 County, the club. I was very fortunate. I had very strong female role models, which wasn't the case in a lot of other clubs. And I, I think, you know, for a girl now under six, stepping into a pitch and seeing their coach is female, seeing the chairperson is female, seeing, you know, the secretary is, is female. That's what they need to see. And that needs to become the norm. And, and that's when, you know, having, I don't know how many years down the road we're talking, but we might actually see a female president of the GA. Mm. Um, we, had, we had a chairperson, didn't we? With, is it Tracy Kennedy in Cork? Yes, former. Mm. Um, and there was a, a woman in, in Tyrone as well that was a, mm. the, the former chairperson as well. Tracy mm. has stepped down in, in, in recent years. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, Congress was an experience and, and the lack of women in that room. Um. But then, Kevin, going back to your point, forgive me, what was what were you just referencing? It's kind of out of my head. Yeah, no, just just in general, I suppose to have the grade consistent of what what yes. minor is, and and you know how important that is, whether it's seventeen or eighteen, that is a big difference in someone still playing the game and someone not still playing the game. But also, um, even though it might be uh, a player who might not be the strongest, they might still love GA and might still want to be involved. But by that not happening, it could turn them away altogether. And you don't you don't just lose the player, you lose a very good administrator. Yeah, um, and that debate you know? on, on whether you know under 17, under 19 was actually very interesting on Saturday. And one of the consequences, the unintended consequences of bringing the minor grade back to under 17 is that you're now place an adult expectation to compete at the highest level uh, from an inter-county point of view and win all Ireland's on 16 and 16 and a half year olds. Um, is that right? Should under 17 be more developmental and then you're, you're under 19, uh, you're deemed an adult and you go and you play your, your inter-county or in championship? Um, I thought it was very valid. And there's been huge work gone into a player pathway, which is actually um, a collaborative approach between the GA and the two other associations um, as to how you, know, you bring an under six player through nursery, through juvenile and then through to senior adult inter-county. And I think there's a lot to be said for, for recognising that under 17 should be developmental. Um, mm. You know, placing that level of expectation on, on 16 and six and a half year olds is just not right. And I think then, you know, from it needs to step to under 19 and that becomes competitive. Even in a female sense, there's probably a younger age profile as to when you make that transition from being a, a minor to an inter-county panel, there's probably a little bit more of an overlap where you'll see 17, 18 year old girls playing senior inter-county and particularly in the weaker counties. Yeah. Um, but that's going to catch up again. You know, you see more in SNC level, the strength of the game, the physicality of the game. Um, I think the women's game won't be too long catching up in the men's game whereby you, you won't see senior inter-county players until they're 19, 20. Mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the 17, 19 thing, as well, we're seeing it with with lads. Um, st- uh, I just want to say lads. I meant as in seen seen it definitely with lads at the minute, um, where they're now seventeen and then you know seventeen and a half or maybe just gone uh, whatever, and they're now having to make the step up from from under seventeen to adult, and we're seeing mm. it. I know at, at local level where we're losing lads because 
the, the a senior club player is probably after doing a couple of years of S&C and they're, you know, maybe like they haven't been with a county panel or whatever else and they're just coming up as a club player. And, you know, there's a massive step up. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and then on the flip side, I know, we say with the under-19 thing and having it as an All-Ireland series from, from a secondary school teacher's point of view, uh, the under-17 was great because you had lads finished in fifth year that were yeah. done, the county minors, to say, and then in sixth year, there was less interruption for them, right? An odd lad to be playing county under 20, but less than years ago where he would have had a lot of lads um, involved mm. with county, um, what do you call it, squads, county minor squads in, in sixth year. But it's like you said, it's trying to get that balance, isn't it? It's trying to get it's trying to get the balance so that we retain players from, you know, when they're coming down that bottleneck that we retain players not only at a county level, but that minor that minor step up to adult level that we retain them at club level as well. Yeah, the interesting thing, by the way, there just about that in terms of, um, I know from the insurance point of view, I'm fairly right. I think I'm saying this that um, once a player exits under seventeen they can play adult football or whatever else. But mm. I'm fairly sure from our insurance point of view, they have to be 18 years of age to use the club gym uh, in, an unsupervised, yeah. in, an, in an unsupervised capacity in terms of that have to be part of a group session. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? All the little, all the little things and little, the little failings or whatever we call it, or little, the little uh, yokes that you find out when you go digging, as you say. Um, I'm lip there for a sec. Oh, yeah, we're back. We're there back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> on the ahead. Fact no defined um, placeholder as to when this under 19 championship would actually run was one of the main reasons why the, the motion failed um, yeah. on Saturday. Delegates wanted to see, you know, a little bit more of a mapped out thought process as to where this fits in. You take in then perhaps the, the mixture of leaving our students as well into that age bracket. Um, and then also that the role of third level competitions and, and where is the future of that going and does that act as a as a stepping stone uh, between you know under 19 and senior personally I don't think it should not everyone is, is goes to college and you know that's everyone's personal choice and I don't think that should be the just the, the stepping stone between under 19 and, and senior club football yeah I think you hit, hit the nail on the head sorry Kevin I think you hit the nail on the head there as well about like that we have to reflect on while we're talking about uh, inter-county, maybe in the 19s and 17s, like it's the bigger picture. So step back to club level, you know, the, the, the elite 17 and 19-year-old will, will probably still stay in, will stay with the association for mm. whatever length of time, right? He might make the county senior squad, but he'll be playing football with his club or her club or, you know, mm. it's, 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 that, it's what's happening at the 17, 19 kind of divide with the general population or the general club player is, 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 is a bigger concern, I think for clubs at the minute in terms of where they're, where they're losing um, players with, with the step up, I think at the minute anyway. I yeah. I see. think even managing that age group transition from secondary school to third level is often an area where, you know, male and female players can often fade away and you lose them and you, it's hard to get them back into a club environment and get them training because it means they're coming home. They're away from, you know, training at weekends um, so I, I think, you know, it's so important that the clubs continue to, to cater for that and, you know, provide that pathway that they are, there is an option there. And yeah, you know, some players might step away, but it, it's all about retaining players at that age. The other thing, just the, the last point on, on the whole grading thing, which I think is interesting, is you were talking, Joe, about it freeing up leaving our students. But you know what it also does? It catches juniors or students because there's a lot of 15 and 16 year olds playing on those county minor sites. 
So yeah, that is a bit of a cash twenty two. But the only thing um, about it, Kevin, is let's be fair. Like from and I'd say this is a, from a teaching point of view. In, uh, like nowadays, we are probably seeing more. Like in terms of years ago, a lot of students maybe would have left that junior cert level maybe to mm-hmm. pursue apprenticeships. Whereas now, while apprenticeships are still plentiful and people are still going into them, or you know they're they're leaving at leaving cert level. If you get me, you know what I mean. I know that I just yeah. use that as a pathway example. So generally, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like and and generally that is probably more the focus now in terms of you know school in terms of you know where you are pitching towards but i understand jay no matter what way you do you're catching someone isn't it like that's that's the reality that's the, isn't it that's the way it is um i think the the 40 percent idea of having female involvement as well i think is a it's a pretty interesting one and and a, and a good show too uh and we are seeing change there like i think your own sister anya is a good example where you know been involved with, with county sides yeah. um louise Keane is another one who jumps out um she's been heavily involved i think possibly with sligo at the moment uh, from a games promotion officer point of view, but would have been with Nile Crew with Pal. You know, there's a few standouts, and and to take it away from from GA a little bit, like Lisa Fallon, I think she's fascinating. Yeah. Um, very very good to to listen to, very insightful. Um, as as good as as good as what's out there. But so here's the caveat with this, and I have to be careful in how I put it, and it goes even into into workplace, right? Because I know there is a big feeling among a lot of women that not enough females are in high level jobs okay mm. now i'm going to articulate this as best i can in my opinion and you can argue this the other way the best person has to get the job take gender over it and it's probably been a case for years where maybe females lost out because of that okay but going forward i just don't want i don't want to see a model be it in work or be it in sport or a female is now getting it just because she's female the best person regardless still has to get it whether it's sport administration, whether it's coaching, whether it's the job. That's just my view. Now, do you have an alternative view to that? Yeah, so I suppose it's a bit like the egg and the chicken. What comes first? So when you're trying to create such a cultural change, how do you achieve that without quotas? Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. That's right, back at you, Kev. And I, yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, I think, yeah, I know what you're saying. You have to... If you want to enable change, you have to sometimes, you, you know, you, ha- you have to you have to start somewhere. Mm. And I suppose yeah. sometimes it, c- it came down to opportunities. And we'll bring it back to a GA point of view. We'll, we'll bring it back yeah. from, bring it back into a GA point of view where, um, like people weren't given a chance. You know, it was it, it was things were sewn up straight away, and you weren't given opportunity to you know to if it was ladies involved in clubs or whatever else that the, people were were pigeonholed into certain areas. And, and until you actively changed your your mindset on it or your policy on it and, and went looking or nearly, you know, won't we'll call it actively discriminate, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call that term. I'm probably giving, giving the wrong term. But until you did that, until you until you broke that boundary down, as, as we're seeing it in, in both our clubs, I suppose, we are, like Fenna is my club as well, we'll play on the football there. But in Fenna and Ballinkillen, just to give two very local examples, when those kind of boundaries were, were, were broken down or, you know, whatever you want to call it, kind of in a very active way, in, now it's the norm and 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 then you know and, and it is the norm now and um and obviously yeah there, there's good like there's the best person to fill the role is fine but at least now people know that you know whoever is going like that there's no discrimination before the role is is is, is, mm. is up for is up for um so that's, for election or whatever else like you know that to, you, to solve you, that show then does the process not have to be like whoever is i suppose adjudicating has to be open to that too 
Okay. Yeah, but you're, you're, what, you're, what you're trying to break yeah. down, Kevin, is probably 120 years of, you know, of a male, like if we call the GA, like in terms of like just uh, uh, without not bringing in the other organization, mm -hmm. we just call it from that point of view, of a male uh, dominated um, uh, dominated uh, area, like, you know what I mean? And you're trying to mm -hmm. break that down. It, it's very hard. It is very hard to do it unless, like what Maria mentioned there in terms of the in terms of some of the, the the protocol they're putting into place um unless you are, are unless you actively start to do something about it it's very hard to make those changes you know they're going to be too they're i want to say they're going to be too gradual but they are going to be too gradual you know what i mean they're going to take forever so you have to start somewhere and sometimes you need to to have that kind of active discrimination in, in order to get things going yeah um, okay. yeah and to create opportunities for people do you know yourself in, in terms of you know, you, you need to have that culture. Whatever about the best, the best person getting it, that's fine. But at least if we're all in it, if the three of us are going for uh, an interview for something, and we, we are all knowing going that we are all going to be equally valued and we're equally, um, you know, our chances are equal. You, you know, that's what we want. And right, so be it. If Kevin gets it or Maria gets it or Joe gets it, that's fine. But at least we know the process. Mm. It is has true. The, yeah, it has been fair, and you know, I think you have to have that, and you have to create that atmosphere somehow. And um, I, I, you know, and I think that's great. By the way, sorry, Marie, just one thing that you mentioned there, the scholarships point of view. Mm. You know, isn't that just so brilliant? Like, I mean, how many times have we seen the promotion of, you know, ex uh, Kevin Regan there, for instance? Kevin is on scholarship from in NUAG. You know, he's whatever Carlo Hurler, Kevin Regan, and now to have that, and to have those. Uh, to have those opportunities for for our ladies for our best ladies across different sports and then the knock-on effect of the promotion that that's now going to give to those associations and to those young players to see well jesus right i know kian lynch is on a scholarship but i know if i'm excelling in ladies football in limerick that i have the same opportunity that kian lynch has imagine how that empowers people do you know what i mean imagine how how that makes people feel if you get me when or you know young ladies feel when they see that so sometimes i think at the start you, you have to kind of you have to make kind of mm. seismic jumps and then see where it goes from there like you know uh, yeah uh, not to be misrepresented i don't mean that in the sense that in the infancy stage <laughs> i know on a different route with it but yeah. I, I don't I, think I'm, quotas are perfect either there's definitely cons to quotas as in like if you have a club exec and you're saying right there's so many positions of 40 percent have to be women pushing women into roles like cultural officer or, you know, the, these lesser important roles on club exec just to tick a box isn't, you know, it is a kind of a quota yeah. that could easily happen as well. So mm -hmm. they're not perfect, but yeah. I think to create that fundamental cultural change that needs to happen. And like, it's not just even the GA, we're seeing this around business, you know, yeah. boards uh, of governance everywhere where it's a 30% club or a 40% club. Uh, and they're trying to achieve it. So it's very much a societal issue as, you know, it's not just a GA tackling this either. I would think you can achieve it by picking the right person still. Yeah? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the way, that, that's that's the way it has to work. Exactly. That's it. And the right person, as I said previously, has to be there to do that. And I don't mean that from, I yeah, don't know what, what, as what in, the... If I'm going for a role, I don't want to get it just because I'm a woman. Yeah. Exactly. You want to get it because you're the best person for it. Exactly. But you also, the, the people adjudicating it have to be of that mindset that it's the best person, that it's not a person saying, oh, we need to give it to her because she's a woman or we need to give it to him because he's a man. 
or because yeah. there's this, that, and the other. But, but, this but is just the, calling it down the line. Yeah, in time, yeah. once we have yeah. a foothold with everything, like you've, you've yeah. talked about the, the GPA, that there's a 50-50 split there. And it's the right 50-50. There's good people of both genders there that yeah. are articulate and know what they're about and know who they're representing and they're representing them properly. So in general, I think that has to be taken into account when we do hopefully get this integration going. Yeah. And I think what's important there is, and what's often not spoke about, I think, enough for my liking is the role that men actually play in that. Because mm. for us to create 50-50 on the GPA gender board, there was actually some incredible male players who actually had to step away to make to make way for, for females. Um, like you take Seamus Hickey, the former Limerick hurler, you know, former chairperson of the GPA, interim CEO of the GPA at one stage, and he had to step aside to make way for a woman. And for him, like to have the vision and to accept that where he wanted the association to go, he needed to do that is, I don't think is is given enough recognition or is talked about enough and how men can actually help create this change. Goes back to absence of ego and seeing the bigger picture, isn't yeah. it? You know, and credit. But I, mean, I, think that, I, I think that's the key thing, Kevin, like it's opening it's opening that mindset and, and and from a GA point of view, apart from going into society, like that's what you, we are, like you're trying to break down 100 and, you know, 120, 130 years of a kind of a, a nearly completely male dominated area, even in terms of camogie, in terms of mm. a lot of the personnel involved, ladies football, you know, are, are you know, still, you know, male or male trainers or male managers or whatever, you know, and it's the idea of, you, you have to, to create change you have to light a spark somewhere and mm. sometimes that spark needs a little bit of help and to get things going and and, and then you know then you know things can balance out but it, it, I, I i i see the point of it like i see i see where you, you just yeah you, you know and i see the benefits of it in terms of to be more open-minded or to be whatever you want to call it progressive whatever word you want to put on it but you, you, we see the benefits of it in all our clubs. Like we're just seeing it at the ground level, like we, you know, in terms of of everything. It's just a, 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 it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant change to happen. And I think so, uh, long, sorry, may, long may continue. No, no, that's yeah. all. Long may continue. To to finish up on it, then, Marie, and you've been very good with your time. Thanks a million. Um, where do we see a timeline for this? If we have buy-in like it's is it kind of how long is a piece of string question at the moment, or is there a kind of a, a, a kind of a plan in the back of your mind that you think how long this could possibly take yeah like look first of all it is it's getting the buy-in of the 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 LGFA and the Camogie Association and then it's it's getting the three of them in a room together and putting a deal that's fair and represents the, the vision of what we want one association to look like I, I'd love to say that you know two three years time significant um steps could be taken on this road that's what I'm hoping for if you're able to turn around things like structural changes and like that in, in six months, it comes down to the the strength of the will on, at that table. Um, it's and I I realise it's not easy. Like look at all the different layers you have to try and merge. If you even take like the Carlow County Board, so if that becomes one county board that represents the four code, like how does that work? You know how do you how do you actually bring the, the three county boards together? Who's a chairperson? Is there co-chairs? What's the structure of it? Is there an individual mm. chairperson for each code underneath it? How is funding allocated? How is pitch allocate, all, allocation works? Like, how are officers elected? 
how did the rule books all merge into one association? Like we currently have three different sets of rules. Um, like when you actually look at the practicality of the steps that need to go in to make it happen, it's not as easy as it sounds on paper. Yeah, I wouldn't like to be um, too deeply involved in trying to make it all work because uh, I think a lot of paracetamol and norfin might be needed over the next couple of years. But you know what? Uh, it's a great position to be in that we're even talking yeah. about it. So, um, it's exciting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great, to be honest with you. Um, Maria Kinsa, look, we'll leave it there. Thanks a million for, for coming on and uh, keep up the good work, all right? Thanks a million, Kevin. Mind yourselves. Thanks, Joe. Stuff. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Joe. Um, That's so, great. yeah, it's, it's, it is. And it's great, great debate in there as well. Good, good, honest debate. Um, yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's great it's to see exciting. someone from all county, as you said, doing, ah, geez, doing so it, well. It's like. brilliant. And, and but like I said to you in the message, Kev, you know, uh, the whole family I'm just picking, and I, I know Marie, and there's lots of other people involved in, in, in what's going on behind the scenes. But just from our own point of view, uh, we're, we're mentioned there about things in their blood, and you know, and, and people in the family there, like you know, like I said, we know Austin, dad, who's involved with Fenner for years and still is, and you know, James is now at that position, he was selector last year, and he's kind of. Going in, he'll be going into the committees and all that. And he was with, was with the intermediate hurlers and Ballon Killen. And then, you know, his sister as well involved. And Anya, like, you know, heavily involved. And the great promotion that the that the family has and the leadership it has. Like, it's just it's just brilliant to see it. And it's great to see that. Um, it's great to see the work they're doing. And, and hopefully, like I said, I, I see it myself now from the point of view of having two girls. And I just see, I maybe see things a little bit differently than I do. I did maybe 10 or 12 years ago when... And maybe I hadn't got them, so um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later. Definitely. Um, so yesterday in uh, Hurling Park, yeah, the Hurling, uh, it's a Hurling yeah. show, I suppose. So we may talk about it for a few minutes on your board. <laughs> for a few minutes, I'll <laughs> give it five minutes. Here. Uh, I think, uh, that was a brilliant And we have the Komogi, we have the Komogi to talk about as well. Um, yeah. but yeah. yeah, look, we'll we'll go Hurling first, and rot up first. Um, yeah. 20 points to 13 in the end, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, look. Doesn't sound like uh, look. It's disappointing. I suppose to put it very simply, but you were there, so tell us all about it. I was, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Sure. Look, it was disappointing. Like ultimately, like we mentioned there about the footballers and taking something from a kind of a you know a good performance. But I think the hurlers, like performance, really wasn't really what the what they were there about. Just that they needed a win to back up the win that they got against Westmead. Um, now, ultimately, as the way results are as results are turning out, it means probably at this stage, um, you know, the, like they're still in it. You know, if, they, if they, they're playing with, uh, sorry, Kildare next weekend, and then they have that Mead last, and probably next weekend is probably the game is is the is the real game of the season for them so far. Like you know, and it's amazing after two losses that we can still say that, but it, it really is. It comes down to it. But uh, yes, this game, yeah, um. Great start, as in you know, very solid, very workmanlike. Um, punish Kerry's mistakes, like you know, Kerry coughed up kind of three chances, you know, crossfield balls or you know, mishandling and stuff like this. And and we we talked them, hit a couple of wides along the way, which probably uh, came against us um later on in the match. But we were kind of looking fairly comfortable. Um, we're a point or two up, and we got a penalty. Um. A great ball in. I think Jack McCullough played a great ball into. I think it was Kevin McDonald got up ended in the square. I'm trying to remember now. I think it was Kevin. He played it across. Jack played it from his own half back line. You know, wasn't even going for a shot. Saw saw the run was being made, and Kevin drew the foul um, on two carry defenders, and it was a penalty to Carlo. And 
it was kind of a you know it was one of those game to game defining moments and uh fairness to Dermot stepped up now there's a little bit of confusion i thought maybe from the stand and i know maybe stevie thought as well that there was a little bit of confusion about who was going to hit the penalty um i suppose kevin was on the freeze and we know kind of brain tracy can hit them and i suppose chris can hit them as well in terms of penalties and, and freeze and so on and um but Dermot stepped up anyway and didn't really probably connect as well as he'd want and um, put the ball to the goalies kind of right hand side but in uh, fairness the goalie got down well and saved it um and the ball was cleared up field and Kerry won a free which uh, brought them you know it was kind of a four point swing and I suppose it was a real kind of sickener um you know it was a real sickener because um you know it could have been I think it, had we got that goal we probably would have pushed on and, and possibly won the game because we were on top uh, in, in uh, most of aspects of our play. So it was kind of a big swing. Um, and then I suppose the second big swing that we were kind of aware of was the sending off. Um, uh, Dermot Byrne um, got a straight red card and that kind of, it really, I suppose it kind of, Kerry were kind of after finding their feet a little bit and it kind of, it just stung us for a while. Um, I don't. I don't think to be honest with you. I don't think you know. Probably like in a modern game, when you raise your hands, you're you're leaving yourself open to um, you know, to the to the referee's mercy, and um, the referee deemed it a red card, so that put us a man down. So we're always supposed under more pressure then. Um, Kerry, Kerry, kind of um, you know, Kerry didn't get away from us though, which was an encouraging thing to to see. You know, um, we kind of we kept it down to we we did a third patch. Kevin McDonald got two points, two quick points from play. In the start in, in that second half and i think it was 12 10 at one stage and then actually kerry got a man sent off which was you know a second yellow and a foul and chris nolan the cornerback got sent off and um i suppose we thought that maybe that might swing it back in our favor but it was actually kerry who pushed on um and, and finished out stronger to hit us for a couple of points in a row um um i suppose there's a couple of things like i i i, I thought we probably the two key men on the pitch for me anyway from from a an opposition point of view were probably um the two Biles, um number 11 and 15 um the i always get the mixed up party i think was party was 15 um but he he got four points from play he was kind of playing out around the middle and he was kind of a very hard man to pin down for us uh during the day he kind of he, he furnished he was working back and working back and then um their number 11 then another the other boy lad was back kind of as as their sweeper or as their kind of you know behind their center back like, yeah. i think mikey 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 is usually yeah 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 and he was he was excellent as well he he mopped up a fierce lot of ball uh, and we couldn't we just couldn't create you know the, the chances around them um now did we create much more we didn't like we, we kind of we didn't create a whole pile in terms of um we did think about 13 wides over the hour and probably the ones at the in, in the first half were probably ones where we could have pushed out that little bit of further ahead and probably would have maybe given us a bit a better foothold in the game um but i suppose for anyone who wasn't at the game you know um we were those kind of two big blows during the week there with Fiat fitzpatrick and and mouse Kavanagh not being you know named um not being able to play they were named in the team but they, they weren't uh, they weren't actually even tugged out on at the weekend and like fakers flying at midfield and and uh while Richard Cody came in and actually did very well, he, he, Richard, I think Richard actually played nearly the full seventy minutes, or he might come off just near the end, and and uh, Connor came off a bit earlier, but um, Faker's presence was definitely missed, and you know he, he obviously chips in with a point or two, and then like I suppose we were down a potential half forward line, you know, with Sean Murphy still serving a suspension from I think the down game still, um, and then with Mouse out, and then with John Nolan out as well. 
So it kind of it left us a little bit shorn up front in terms of our firepower. Um, Chris Nolan got a couple of a couple of nice scores. Got a brilliant score, probably the score today actually under the stand. Um, uh, Damien Jordan was actually beside me, and we we just kind of looked at it, or just across the other side of the aisle in the stand, and we just looked at each other, and he says like. And he was right. He said, you're on about promotion of the game. He says, if I could get a clip of that score again, he says, it should be sent to every every lad in a development squad in Carlo. Um, just what he did with it, his touch, uh, you know, up and his wrist to get it up and o- over his shoulder and over the bar was just incredible. Um, you know, just, just it, was, it was a brilliant score. But I don't know. Um, like, I think, you know, I, I don't know whether we got the, you know, I, I thought... I thought we could have hammered the hammer maybe in, in some places a little bit more yesterday. Um, I thought John Michael, you know, had a, had probably the beatings of his man, you know, in the air in there, and we maybe to fire a couple more balls in on top of him when you know I know it's not firing it in top of a sweeper, but there was a times when we drew out their number eleven a little bit, and we were two for two inside, and we kind of still we were still kind of very fond of working the ball around the middle and. I know I mentioned it in a in a in a private text message about sometimes about playing to your strengths and. I think a game like yesterday where we had a big target man in there um, probably on a full back that he has had the, be- the beatings of that we, we could have got maybe a little bit more joy out and he got a little bit more ball. Um, but um, yeah, it was disappointing. I said the lads will be disappointed. They were disappointed. They were, they were a little bit flat um, in, in how they performed. Um, you know, their scoring power was definitely down, you know, um, I think um, in terms of scores and play, we might have got Kevin McDonald. I think got three points, and he was taken off with maybe five or six minutes ago. Now I don't know whether he ran out of steam, whether he picked up a knock, um, but it was kind of an unusual one from the point of view. He was our top scorer, and to take him off, um, he probably wasn't having the same influence as maybe as as the last couple of games. But in terms of his scoring power and creating that little couple of moments of magic. Um, I just thought, you know, it was a little bit unusual. But like I said, maybe he did pick up a knock during the course of the game. Um, so, yeah, it was probably, it, it was definitely one where I think the lads will be disappointed not to put two good games back to back, you know what I mean? In terms of, um, you, you know, to get the win over Westmead was was massive, especially after coming back after the defeat against Down. And then to kind of fall back on your heels again, because had we, had we won yesterday, you know, it would have definitely, we probably would have, even regardless of next week's results, probably been in a good enough position to qualify for a for a, at least a semi-final in the league. Um, whereas now, it kind of puts next week's game, it, it's a massive game next week. It's kind of do or die really between ourselves and Kildare up in, up in Kildare. And they'll be very buoyant after that. Got a one-point win yesterday up in Newry. Mm. And again, with their nice contingent back as well. I know you what know, you said, Newry. Oh, sorry. Well, he had the north, as I said. Oh no, but I was, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping you. I wasn't saying that in a. No, no, uh, I don't. Think it was, I think it was um, in an ignorant I, sense. No, I think. Um, I was, but if I, it was, I, that's I, interesting. No, that's no, all, that's I, all. Don't, don't quote me on that. No, no, I, I said Yuri because I think I'm up there myself. But um, yeah. no, don't quote me on that. No, um, look, regardless, they, they beat them up in their own patch, and yeah. I think regardless the of where sense, it is, that's a that's a good result. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you know, and and I think you know, I just think the manner of our performance yesterday just. Not, not maybe dumb, like not getting the scores on the board when we were dominant, and then that flat patch, you know, the flat little patch where we had a couple of flat patches in the second half where, you know, we kind of won purple patch where we hit those three, well, maybe I think it was three points in a row where we closed the game, but then we finished poorly. You know, we finished, we were very flat near the end, and the game was kind of always carries there, even though even when it was fourteen v fourteen, they looked far more comfortable. 
and I think that'll be something that the, that um, Tom and, and and the lads will be will be kind of more concerned about that kind of level of consistency. Yeah, I'm um, just going to say that like it's it seems worlds apart from the Westmead game, you know. And then the down game was look, it was always going to be difficult, but still seemed like there was a lot lacking, even though the conditions were, you know, not favourable on the day. So um, that's ultimately what you're looking for is a consistent performance, like uh, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't well, seem like I, that's I, kind of the case. Yeah, but I suppose I think with, I think you know, I, th- I think our panel as well. Um, you, you know, we've a lot of we look, we've a lot of new lads, we've a lot of younger players coming in, and for us to be without the experience of, say, take Mouse, take John, take, right? Sean is back in this year, but he's a county hurler from before. He's a, you know he's a physical, strong man, a direct runner. Take Fake Fitzpatrick, who is only in this year, but is has been a revelation at midfield, you know. And to take those out from, take those out kind of from, well, John didn't play the first league game, but take the three of them out from the first league game, even, you know, you're down, you're down, a, you're down a kind of a forward threat. Like our backs, in fairness, like right, they conceded twenty points, which isn't a big score, you know, which isn't, which is probably, you know, a. a is below average in terms of uh, of scoring, you know. So our backs were, were solid and, and and well set up, you know. Um, now I know whatever those, uh, what call them, hit a nice few frees, but like you're going to have that in the hurling game. But they were very disciplined and you know didn't didn't let uh, create didn't let Kerry create goal chance and so on. But I think we we missed the lads that little forward, you know, that little forward little uh, kind of drive and. and like I said, we were, you're taking out kind of a potential half forward line missing and, you know, a definite start midfielder. And that's not being disrespectful to the lads who are in there instead of them. But you're taking them out of your panel. You're not even just taking them out of your team. You're taking them out of your panel for the day. So, you know, you're 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 down. And, and I know, like I said, Kerry, the league division, the way it is at the minute, like everyone, everyone is kind of nearly beating everyone, if you get me. Like, you know, which is a, is a mad thing like that. We're we've two losses and we're still in the hunt if you get me in the division so it kind of shows that on any given day any result is possible but i think for next weekend uh, i'm not sure the fitness status of the of the lads i don't know whether john nolan is in a position to come back um i'm not sure on fake and mouse's uh injuries are the you know are the long term or are they just niggles that they picked up but neither of them togged on saturday or on sunday which is a worry i suppose you know that you'd be wondering are they going to be all right for next week i think sean is back i think sean had a had a two-match ban so he'll be back and um he'll definitely add some kind of oomph um up front. Um but they're gonna need it. They're going uh, like Nace or the with the Nace lads backbone and now Kildare again and kind of the high that they've been on. And and in fairness, like we saw it last year, we went up there in the Joe McDonough and we only got by a pint or two, uh, by the skin of our teeth. Like um, you know, we're, our lads are really going to need to bring their A game up there to uh, to Newbridge uh, next Sunday, um, if they're if they're to get the result that they need to to stay in the in the fight for for um, championship or for league progression, like you know. Mm-hmm. So that's two o'clock in Newbridge uh, Saturday. The minor horrors are out against Antrim one o'clock up in the centre of excellence in Abbottstown. Yeah, um, yeah, we wish them. The very best luck, and hopefully we can get a result. Uh, I was at a game between those two. I think it was under twenties actually a couple of years ago. Um, we always have good contests at Antrim. It doesn't matter what the yeah. what the grade is. There's never there's never too much in it. Uh, and then just switching focus to um, Camogie. So, look <clears throat> to be very clear and transparent about everything. There's been difficulties with the Camogie side of things. All right. So, 
at the start of the season, I think a manager was uh, reappointed and then subsequently uh, removed. And there is issues off the field. Let's not disguise them without going into massive detail because they're not consolidated in terms of facts either. But there is issues. So there was a wonder and a worry about maybe were we going to have a team for a little while. Uh, but thankfully, a team fielded on Saturday, did quite well, didn't get the result. Uh, it was a strong side, in fairness. Um, Dublin won out 3-7 to 7 points. Um, I, I'm interested, uh, Colin McAllister was down to, to, to referee that one. Um, but they're out again, uh, supposed to be out on Saturday against Armagh. The venue uh, has yet to be decided, and if someone does have that, feel free to get in touch with us but uh, we do wish him the very best uh, Mark Ayers now has uh, has taken charge a uh, very good man yeah. in fairness top man um, in fairness to him yeah has had great success with Michael, Michael yeah um, so look, all we can do is, is wish him the very best you know um, yeah. because we've made too much progress with, with that code to, to let things slip um, and there's too many good players coming through I mean Players have won Ashbourne Cups in, in the last few weeks. We had Katie Gary Murphy and Catherine Kavanaugh on and, you know, even there's too much progress. So, so hopefully we can keep on an upward trajectory and, and, and keep her lit, as yeah. the fella said. I, th- I, I think the, the, the association in Carlo as well has made great progress. I mean, mm. was it last year, the year before, the field of two under 14 teams, you know, county teams. And yeah, so, so the, the, the association is blossomed in Carlo. So, Look, it's uh, you know, keep it going, keep it going, and look, you're going to have blips and stuff and different little. You know, it happens. You just, yeah, exactly, it happens, and you just have to do your best to get to get over them and, and move forward for 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 everything. You know, um, it just just when you're mentioning referees, there, it was interesting to see. I I managed because there wasn't a whole lot of going on Sunday. I got to see our own game because it was on early and um, Carlo game, and then came home and looked at a couple more, and I looked at a couple more on Saturday as well. Um, just be curious to know was there a, a special word in referees' ears about hand passing? It seemed to be something that was pulled up a lot at the weekend from the games I saw, um, and probably rightly so. A lot of them, um, we got we got we were on the the benefit and the not so benefit side of of, of a few at the weekend um, in terms of trolls, and uh, I just noticed it on some of the televised games as well. And I think it's it's no harm because you know some you know some of them are just like I said, there's some lads and they're. There's no more uh, uh, hand passing action now than Shep. Um, and it'd be interesting to see was it uh, something that was, um, I won't say maybe, you know, that sometimes referees are given certain things to maybe to keep a special eye on, but it was definitely mm-hmm. something I noticed myself over the weekend that was uh, was more uh, was more um, more in my mind anyway when I was looking at a referee's performance anyway. So mm-hmm. just to say, a little side note, that's all. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up, Joe? Oh God! Normally I do, Kev. I don't have a whole lot now. Schools action. Um, yeah, most schools action is, is midterm last week, sure. Yeah. yeah, well, most schools action now is going to be down to um, second the uh, hurling, the uh, juvenile hurling, what we used to call juvenile hurling. It's kind of first year, <laughs> first year hurling, um, first and second year hurling. Really, now that's that's kind of where we're at. most other competitions are are finished up. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember the progress of all our schools. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. It might be actually. You know, I might do a little roundup actually next week for next week's program and, and bring in sure. if, if there's things that we've missed. But uh, there will be a second year. Hopefully, um, we're going to be playing a kind of a combined second year uh, team, you know, county by county. Um, and that's something that we will be we're kind of hoping to do. I know our coaching uh, team, the Carlo GA coaching team, um, you know, Brendan and Damien and Sean and all those lads are are 
are out in the secondary schools constantly and you know you know they're all organizing our blitzes and i know they're doing a lot at national school level as well and uh fair play to them we really appreciate them i know and i know the lads i know from a second level school and i know from my own kids in a national school they really love to, to have the lads uh coming out to them and, and give them the quality coaching that they do so just a, a big um a big thank you from all the second level schools to our great coaches that are that are coming in from carlo ga and a big thank you joe for jumping on again yeah, no really in fairness, and much appreciate. No matter, man. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks, Emil. That's Joe Nolan. And uh, we are just going to give a final shout out to the sponsor of uh, both shows tonight. Uh, that is uh, DB Recovery. Uh, just to recap again, a new sports recovery centre located in Barrow Valley Retail Park, down beside Duns and the gym in Greg Cullen, providing elite sports recovery services using all the market leading equipment at affordable prices, as well as the equipment. The staff are all trained to be able to give you the best advice relating to your recovery and DB Recovery Cares to everybody from individuals to teams, from your social exerciser to elite athletes. You can follow them on Instagram at DB Recovery RP for more info or email DB Recovery LTD at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget you can get in touch with us as well uh left wing back podcast at gmail.com give us a follow on uh, twitter and on facebook and, and instagram there and if you do like what we do as you said we have a, a buy me a coffee thing floating around there somewhere i don't think it's embedded in the link tonight but uh generally it's 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 knocking around uh not compulsory or anything like that but if you, you like what you're hearing and what you're seeing uh for the price of a coffee you can support the podcast and uh, just while we're on it actually we might have uh some exciting news coming in next couple of weeks uh in relation to uh after look we, we give it away here one part of it anyway we've website on the way so uh hopefully we'll be able to give you the opportunity to not just listen to the podcast or look at the podcast we might even have articles coming there as well so uh something for you to maybe read and uh yeah merchandise on the way too so uh yeah that's expected in the next couple of weeks and uh, we'll give you more details on that as it emerges uh everyone for tuning in i suppose uh, from that point of view uh thanks a million appreciate it as always good to be back we do it all again next monday at nine o'clock until then best look to all our teams uh, in both codes both genders across the weekend and on monday night at nine o'clock next week chat to you then take care